Well, I wanted to speak to you about a subject that um, God had been working in my life um, since back when I was about 20-something. And um, it's, it's more and more relevant as each day goes on. Um, and that is the peace of God. How many, I want you to be honest, I want you to raise your hand, if you have something that is causing you to be anxious today, raise your hand, okay, nearly 100%, right, okay, so this is an issue that does affect all of us, and we need the peace of God in our lives. Peace is defined in the dictionary as a state of tranquility or quiet, uh, such as freedom from disturbance. Uh, it's, it's also defined as when hostilities cease. In other words, you've had a war and now you have peace. Um, the peace of God is something different. It, it entails those things, but it's much deeper. And if we're going to talk about the, the peace of God, we also have to talk about the enemies of the peace of God in our life. And that is anxiety and its brother, fear. They're like twins where one is, you'll mostly often find the other. So we live in a society, this is a quote, bloated with data and yet starved for wisdom. We're connected 24-7, yet anxiety, fear, depression, and loneliness is at an all-time high. We must course correct. This is the world saying this, right? But here we are in church and we all have something we're anxious about. Phobias, fears. Um, I decided to look this up. There's actually a website. <laughs> it's like phobia.com or something. <laughs> There's 530 medically listed phobias uh, in this website. And some of the names of them are, are just like totally bizarre. I, uh, the author of this website says, and he quips, if it's not on the list, I'm afraid I don't have it. <laughs> so he has this long list. I wish I knew about this one. I'm going to give you a couple of them. Um, I wish I knew about this when I was in high school. I could have probably used it a little bit. It's called amathophobia. Fear of math? No. It's a fear of dust. So when my mom comes and says, why isn't your room clean? I, mom, I have a mathophobia. <laughs> there's, um, there's some other ones here. Speaking in public, glossophobia. You know that people are more afraid of speaking in public than they are of dying. You know that? I mean, that's literally when they're asked about it. So in other words... You'd be better off to be in the casket than doing the eulogy, right? <laughs> so, 
there's a lot of phobias. Another one, pantherophobia. Anybody know what that is? It's a fear of, some, some men suffer from this. It's a fear of mother-in-laws. <laughs> My mother-in-law is here, so I'm, I'm not afraid. <laughs> she came to hear me speak today. God says, however, do not fear in his word three, or something to that effect. Fear not, do not fear. 365 times. So that's one for every day of the year, right? So today you have a do not fear in there somewhere. Just go look for it, right? The Bible says that in the end times that when men start to uh, see what is coming, just the anticipation of what is coming in the end times, that their hearts will be failing them for fear or anxiety, right? And that's already beginning to happen, isn't it? I mean, the, the side effects of anxiety and fear physically are manifold. I mean, people have all sorts of uh, problem, health problems because of anxiety, because of fear of what might happen. My story is that when I was a younger man, I, was, I had my own business. I started very young. Um, in fact, I was probably the youngest contractor in Arizona. And uh, it, started my, it started off with an eight-hour test in which I got so anxious that I actually lost the center of my vision. Okay, so, I, I mean, all my whole life was basically at this point committed because I'd quit my job. I needed to be a contractor. I had to have this license. And people were standing in line going, well, how many times have you taken it? You know, these are like 45-year-old guys, and I'm like 22 or something, you know. Um, so the stress, right, I did pass. But then as I was in business, I was so anxious and so uptight that I began to grind the enamel off my teeth. I mean, you know, that's, that's anxious, right? And God spoke very clear to me and said, dude, he, he says, he talks to me like that. He speaks, he speaks American, right? <laughs> You're going to die a young man if you don't get rid of this anxiety. And I, I said, okay, <laughs> how do I do that? And then he gave me this scripture that we have in our newsletter, Philippians 4.6. Be anxious for nothing except for money, right? We, we all, we all got to be anxious for money, right? But you don't know, Joe. You're, you're a missionary. You don't have those problems, right? I'm a big businessman. I got like millions of dollars worth of... You don't know my, my, my issues, Joe. Yes, I do. I've been a businessman. I do know. And, the, and the, God knows too. And his answer is the same for all of us. Be anxious for nothing. So what is it you are anxious about? Some of you raised your hands, if you would. Anybody willing to... 
be a little transparent. Yes. Money. Okay. Anybody? Yes. Loneliness. Yes. Relationship. Anybody? Thank you for sharing. Anybody? South Africa. Our, your country, your political position. Plenty of opportunity for anxiety there. People. Your health. Okay. So, what did, what did the Lord say um, about these very real things? All of these are very real things. We need money to pay the rent. We, you know, uh, there is uh, wars and rumors of war. There's things going on around us that are very real. But, and yet, the scripture tells us uh, that in nothing should we be anxious, but in everything, that's everything, all of it, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, that peace which passes all of our understanding, right? It goes beyond what we see, will guard our hearts and our thoughts. So we must allow the peace of God to reign as they relate to ourselves, right? I heard health. I heard money. Right? Others. I heard relationships, people, right? And God, right? Because some of us here may not know Christ. And we have anxiety about God. Right? So, let's start with self. If we are to abide in the peace of God, we must look at the enemies of it. Anxiety is is about the what-ifs most of the time. About 90% of the time, our anxiety is about the what-ifs. Right? What if such and such happens? What if? Right? So, my daughter, she allowed me to share this story, called me just this week, <laughs> and she was upset. She'd had a really bad day at work, and she was anxious. And having just been studying this, I, I said, okay, what is it you're anxious about? Well, I may lose my job because everyone around me is dropping like flies. It's a very high, um, you know stress, high uh, residivity rate, whatever, for people, they get fired quickly if they don't, can't perform. So she's under tremendous pressure. So I said, well, what are you allowed to be anxious for in that situation? Nothing. <laughs> I know it's, it sounds impossible, doesn't it? But it is possible because God said it's possible. And Jesus commands it. Be anxious for nothing. But what are you supposed to do? She knows the script. My daughter knows the scripture. Right? And I said, but Jen, you have to start to apply it in your life. So what does it mean? What does it mean? It means to, uh, it says we must, by prayer, 
pray about it, find out what it is, identify it, pray about it with prayer and supplication. Okay, what's this word? Humbly and earnestly asking God for what you are asking about. Humbly, and the the connotation is on your knees. That's the connotation. Humbly, earnestly ask God for that specific thing that you wish of God. Ask Him for whatever is... Okay, so she, she, she calls me and says, I, I told her I would follow up in a week and see how she's doing. So she called me last night and says, okay, so I went through my mail and I found this letter that I thought was um, junk mail, but I didn't notice it says urgent, you know. So she opens it. It says, your 301K, which is a savings thing from work, is going to be given over to the state unless you reply in so many days. Right? She's going to lose her savings, her whole savings account. An opportunity for anxiety. Right? So she said, she had just pasted on her thing, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) But what? By prayer, supplication, humbly, earnestly, asking God for that which you desire, with thanksgiving, thank you God that you came through for me this last time. We paid the rent last month. Hallelujah. Thank you God. And so she calls the place the next morning. She got a good night's sleep because she earnestly and just gave it over to God. She got a good night's sleep. She got up and went and called them and they said, oh, well, that must have been an error because your money's still here. There's no problem. You haven't lost anything. It must have been a computer error. So it was a, what you call a, a tempest in a teacup. Right? And, and probably 90% of what we're anxious about is just that, the tempest in a teacup. It either never manifests, or if we handle it as God wishes us to, it never amounts to anything. Because why? Because He is the Lord of the storm, isn't He? He's the Lord of the storm. Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. It's your choice. That's Henry Ward Beecher. So some of us were anxious about our provision. In Matthew 6.25, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, what, what you need for your body, what you will put on. For the life is more than food, the body more than raiment. Consider the sparrows, the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't even have a barn to put their seed in. But God feeds them. And, and of how much more value are you to God? Jesus gave his life for you. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single measure, they use cubit, to, to your life? You can't, anxious, anxiety doesn't, add anything, does it? 
It doesn't add a single thing. So then if you're not able to do even that which is the least, why are you anxious concerning the rest? Why does Jesus say, just say no to anxiety? (laughs) Right? That's what he said, just say no. Because anxiety adds nothing. It adds nothing. But it does take away plenty. Right? And that's why, because he loves you, that's why he tells you don't be anxious. Because he knows that it it takes away. It it makes us ineffective. Uh, We lose our peace. We lose our rest, don't we? We lose our health. Uh, Another quote, if you don't think your anxiety, depression, or sadness, or stress impact your physical health, think again. All of these emotions trigger chemical reactions in your body, which can lead to inflammation and a weakened immune system. Learn how to cope. And how do we cope? Well, God has answers in the Word. It, 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 ta- it takes away our love in relationships because there's fear, right? It takes away our energy to do what God has actually called us to do. If we spend our time in our anxiety, it takes away, saps energy from us. It takes away our focus because we don't have a pure focus. We're, we have fear over here. Nagging, that nagging fear, or that nagging anxiety that's distracting us from focusing on the Lord and what He wants for us. And it takes away our time because we spend time being anxious <laughs> that we could be in prayer and getting it done rather than being anxious about getting it done. Uh, I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. That's so true. To overcome our mental anxiety, we we, we must practice the Scripture. It's not enough to just know it. We must apply it for the benefit to remain with us. And our mental energy, where do we focus that? Right, we, we're, we've, we're coming from a fallen nature to a redeemed nature. And so we must change the way we think. In Philippians 4.8 it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, retraining our mind to focus on that which God would have us think about, rather than the things that the enemy is trying to drag us down with. With others, anxiety is love's greatest killer. It makes others feel that you might, as you might when a drowning man holds on to you. You want to save him, but you know he will strangle you with his panic. In our relationships, anxiety can be a negative force. It can come between people. 
It can cause others to feel strangled like a drowning man grabbing you on their last breath as they go down. We we need to have boundaries in our life with, with others that tend to want to sap us of our peace and our strength in God and our uh, we, we, I look at um, God's peace as a garden that we are cultivating right, in our life. You have some of those beautiful gardens that I've ever seen anywhere here in South Africa. It's amazing to me. Um, and there's time and effort put into those. And there's beauty. And there's a, a pattern and a flow to them. And... Um, quite often that's a picture to me of peace. You know, I can just sit in one of those and feel peaceful, you know? And in, in reality, um, some people come into that kind of a garden, your peace that you have cultivated, and they want to run a lawnmower right through the middle of it. You know? You're like, oh man, there's my poppy things in there, you know? They're all like shredded, right? So we need to have boundaries where we have a a gate. You can't just come in any old way, right? You can't climb over the wall and trash the hedges, right? Say, yes, you're welcome into my life, but this is how you have to come in, through the gates. And there's a path. And you follow that path. And we say, no, that isn't okay for you to do that. Because it destroys this peace that God has put in my life. So others, we have to have clear boundaries that we set with, with others around us. And we need to respect other people's boundaries if we're the one that's got the lawnmower. Right? Don't just mow your way into other people's lives. Don't destroy their peace. Finally, brethren, what's or, uh, let's see, I'm sorry. Um, brothers, rejoice. This is 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The God of peace is the one who makes this happen in us. He calls himself the God of peace. (laughs) And in order to know peace, we must know him. Right? There are, there are healthy fears and there are unhealthy fears, right? A healthy fear is don't put your hand on the stove if you're going to burn it, right? That's a healthy fear. There are unhealthy fears, right? Where we, oh, this might happen, I might do this. The what ifs, right? Unhealthy. It's, not gonna, it's, not, it's going to ruin your health. Uh, 
there was, um, I was in, do you remember, you remember the, the, the movie Jaws? The giant shark and everything? Well, I, I'm a diver. So, like, when that movie came out, um, you know, it kind of makes you think twice before you, when you're jumping into the water, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, it's, just, it's a movie, man. It's an irrational fear, right? You know, I was like, don't, you know, how many, what's the percentage, right? You're gonna more likely to get struck by lightning, right? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Mexico, I'm diving, and I'm swimming back to the boats, and in front of me, all the people on the boat's eyes are like this big. And they're like, shark, shark. And I'm like, oh, they're putting me on, right? Come on, man. Shark, shark. You know, that's all he can say, shark. I turn around and I look behind me, and there's like literally a, a three-and-a-half-meter fin coming out of the water, behind me, directly behind me, with a huge dark shadow underneath it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I cleared the, the boat's edge was three, a meter high off the water. I cleared it completely without touching it, except for one hand. And I landed in the boat with my fins on. Right? And I'm looking back like this, going, what is this? Because, I, I mean, I've never even seen a shark that big. I'd seen plenty of sharks. It was a whale shark. It's 40 feet long. But it eats plankton. <laughs> Which are that big. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I had an anticipation of what? Sudden death. I forget what that fear was, being eaten alive. There, there is a fear for that. It's, okay, but was it valid? Not, not at the end of the story, was it? It wasn't valid. He wasn't going to eat me. In fact, now, whenever I see that fin, I jump in the water and go swim up to him because they're awesome, beautiful creatures, amazing. All right? So, <laughs> Matthew ten twenty eight. Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There's really only a fear of God, a reverential awe of God that we must have, uh, and all other things. He says, no. You're not allowed to fear Peace with God. No real uh, peace exists outside of first establishing peace with God Himself. We can in no ways achieve a peace with God outside of bloodshed. Ours or His. It's our choice. Being a just God, He is and will be unrelenting in His pursuit of one or the other. So, that, if you don't know Christ, that should give you pause. Because He is a just God, and He will pursue relentlessly one or the other. The good news is, He gave His own blood for us. To satisfy the wrath of God. 
he satisfied completely the wrath of God out of love for, for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus himself is our peace offering. In the Old Testament, there was a peace offering that came when your, your relationship with God was distant. And you wanted to have peace with God. So you brought this offering, and the priest would slay it. And the priest ate the offering, so it was you and the priest and God. We just had that this morning, because Jesus is our high priest. There will never be another. He's the only one we need. And he himself is our peace offering. He made peace with his blood. That's what, he, that's, what that's about is him, the priest, actually sitting with us, going, this is my body, which is broken for you. It's not, a, it's not another sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. I made peace. You can have peace with God. Today, if you don't know him, have peace with God. Eliminate, cross this one off your list. No anxiety about that relationship because my high priest has paid in full the wrath of God. I don't need to fear him coming after me anymore. Hallelujah. Because of love. In Romans 5.1 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained by access faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes about this. I I love much of what C.S. Lewis has to share. I think that when we are sinless, we still fear God in the sense of a reverential trembling awe, as when we stand on a peak before vast stretches of unscalable cliffs. And we will also fear, I suppose, in the sense of shuddering with thankfulness that we are not among the number who still dishonor God. Hallelujah. But the painful fear, the guilty fear, the craven and cowardly fear, the humiliating and embarrassing fear, all such fear will one one day soon be taken away. But only in the way God intends, and in His time. We should not be done with it in the wrong way, or too soon. Because, he says, perfect love, as we know, casts out fear. That's in John, 1 John 4, 18. But he's, <laughs> I love this. But so do several other things. Ignorance, alcohol, passion, presumption, and stupidity. <laughs> All these things cast out fear as well, don't they? (laughs) But are they what God wants to use? No, because if you use any of these things to cast your fear out, you're making of them a God, little g. Right? So I always think of the, you know, the uh, 
Western, I love Westerns, right? And in the Western, inevitably, there's the, the guy who's going to challenge the, the lead role to a gunfight. And he says, meet me in the, out front at noon, right? So right up until noon, he's in there drinking his, his courage, right? To get just stupid enough to die, right? Isn't that... Yeah, I, I, I go, he's almost, I, I'm watching this, I'm commenting. He's almost stupid enough to die now. <laughs> right? And yet we use other things to write, what? Our courage, right? To get us free from fear. And we don't need to be using other things. Because we have what we need in God. We have it. It's in the scripture. We know it. We can quote these scriptures, but we have to apply them to real life situations, to real life stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying what is in front of you isn't challenging. It is. But God has an answer. It's, it's very desirable that we should all advance into that perfection of love in which we fear no longer. But we should not allow any other agent in our life, any inferior agent, to cast out fear. Uh, in John, First John four eighteen through twenty one, we love because He first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he do not, who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is our commandment that we love one another. Don't allow our fears to come between us either. Jesus is our peace. He, was, he is the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, I love this portion of Scripture. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. His peace is eternal. That's the peace of God. It goes on. Romans 4.17 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God wants us for us. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for I desire peace for you, doesn't he? He wants us to have peace. Whatever thus serves Christ is acceptable God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. First, First Chronicles 22.18 Peace of God is is um, more than just the cessation of hostilities, but God also does bring that too, as well. Is, is not Jehovah your God with you? And hath he not given you rest, peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before Jehovah and before his people. When, when God's blessing and peace is upon you, it gives you peace around you as well with those around you. It's an abiding presence of God. It's His presence, isn't it? The Lord Jehovah is with you. 
His presence. That's why when we, we often say, when I was in worship like today, thank you Brenda and the team, I felt the peace of God. Because His presence, He is the God of peace. Uh, most of the time when we are having anxiety, it's, it's because we say something like this. It's not supposed to be like this. Right? It's not supposed to be like this. But Jesus said, no, in this world you'll have tribulation, didn't he? In John 16, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He said we have tribulation. We have this, this feeling, it's not supposed to be like this. Why do we have that? Because we've heard a lot of false preaching, right? <laughs> that, oh, everything's going to be so cool when you just give your life to Jesus, right? Well, no, everything's going to be just like it is in some ways because the world doesn't change around you. And in this world, you'll have tribulation. What happens is you are transformed from within. Now you have the God of peace. You have the presence of God. And you have peace in the storm. Right? Now, that's what changes. I've overcome the world. He did it. We don't do it. He does it. Through us. With us. To us. Right? I love the... story about Jesus when he comes walking on the water in Matthew 14, 25 through 31. They, uh, the disciples weren't really ready for this particular miracle because um, they cried out in fear, it's a ghost, right? But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, again, take heart. That's interesting, he uses that word, take heart, right? Because it's the heart, it's, it's where we're coming out of the center of our being, right? There's this fear, this anxiety gets in your heart. It is I, don't be afraid. And so Peter, uh, the brave or foolish one, whichever one you think uh, applies, says, come to me, uh, command me and I'll come out to you on the water. So he says, Come. So he does fine until he starts, what, looking at the waves and what's going on around him, right? In this world, you'll have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. The supernatural is here. See it, live in it, because he will walk, he will call you to walk out on the water. The cool thing is, Peter walked on water, man. That's awesome, (laughs) right? Overcome the fear. Listen to Jesus, the voice of God, the the Prince of Peace. When He calls you, go. See what happens, right? So, He lost focus, didn't He? That's what anxiety does to us. It causes us to lose focus. Had He stayed focused, He would have walked around with Jesus on the water the whole time, rather than sinking like he did. Can I have just a couple more minutes? I just have a little bit to finish up. Uh, Jesus in John 
14, 27 says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, right? The world's, the world's peace is out of that definition at the beginning that I gave you. Lack of conflict when things stop warring, you know. Now there's peace. No, Jesus said, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Implying we have a choice here. His peace is a peace that's in the midst of the storm, isn't it? He's asleep during the storm. Didn't even bother to wake him up, right? Doesn't bother him. The, the peace is a gift from God. I give it to you. Do you accept the gift? My peace I give to you. It's a gift from God. Are you going to take it? Right? The world's peace is temporary, but Jesus, as we read in Isaiah, is an everlasting peace. Never ends. Once you have peace with God, it's eternal. As He is eternal. So I have a story that, to me, in my life, was a really amazing time of the presence of the peace of God. I was in... um, I was on an island in the Caribbean where I was ministering and doing medical um, rescue at times. We had an infant that was near death. And the medicine that the child needed was on the other island. The only problem was is there was a storm going. Storms in the Caribbean can be hurricanes. You know, anything from a bad tropical storm to a hurricane. And they can happen so quickly and so fast that, hey, it's a mess. So um, we always had the issue of, do we risk the trip and risk, I don't mind risking my life, but now I've got a child, this infant child, that will likely die and most likely die without the medication that we needed, right? Right? So we had a choice. So talk about earnest prayer and supplication before God, right? We had to make the right choice. We had to know that it was God for us to go or we were not going to go. And we had had these on a regular basis. And where you go through, the, the holes in the reef, you have to get a boat through a slot that's about this big. There's reef, jagged reef underneath the water that's only that deep. So if you hit it, you're sunk. There are sharks, there are big, giant uh, crocodiles, sea crocs. Um, when you do it at night, you see their eyes, the amber eyes in the light when you're looking for the reef hole the, that you've got to go through. So it's not, a, not your average trip, you know? Plus, you can't go in a straight line anywhere because you have to zig to get where you're going and know where those reef heads are and stuff, right? So we pray. So God says, go. So I'm holding this child in my arms. The only boat we could get was a teacup. It was a little tiny thing, right? Just teeny boat. <laughs> we get out, and inside the reef, it's fine because... 
there's a reef on the outside. You travel inside the reef, and it's calm in there. But there's a place where, two places where you have to go outside the reef. The second one is a bad one. So we get to that second one. We go outside the reef. Now we're in open ocean in a storm in a teacup. So you, you heard about the tempest in the teacup. Well, this is a teacup in the tempest, right? I'm floating on this thing. Boat drivers driving. These waves are massive. You can't see anything but the face of this wave curving up like this in the dark. Or it's at night, right? So we're going up this thing, and I'm holding on to this child, and I'm thinking what I'm going to do when this boat goes down. Because <laughs> I have rescued a child holding them above the water like this and swimming with one arm. As I'm thinking, okay, I've got to shed my shoes. And, you know, I'm thinking all these plans. And just as I was about to get anxious, this child just, a little tiny hand reached out of the blanket and grabbed my finger and just grabbed onto my finger. And the Lord said to me, that child, just like that child is trusting you, you trust me. Grab onto me. I've got this. Right? I said, okay. And this peace of God that passes understanding. <laughs> right? I'm still in this little teacup. I've still got the same responsibility that I had before. This child's life. And yet, the peace of God that passes understanding was there. We're going up these ways and we'd break over the top and down the other side. You know? And we made it. And the child survived. It was completely recovered. Hallelujah. God will be there. He is the God of peace in the storm. In the storm. What's your storm? Yeah, they're real things. I know. But He's there. If you don't have peace with God, You can have that today too.